The following is part five of a seven-part series at Ascension that focuses on our vision as a biblical Christian congregation in the Harrisburg, Pennsylvania area. Any American living in the second half of the 20th century, or perhaps born in the early 21st, would have known him, or at least heard of him. Growing up in North Carolina, he was heavily influenced by his parents' pious Christianity, along with the roaming preachers that swung through Charlotte. Eventually, he found his own calling in preaching, having graduated from Wheaton College, but his stage was to be much larger than a typical congregation. In 1949, participating in a series of revival meetings in Los Angeles, this up-and-coming Christian leader preached to several hundred thousand over the course of eight weeks. And it just kept growing from there. Two million in New York City. Many, many millions when all said and done. Over six decades, this man spoke of Christ to people all around the world. Eventually, his influence here in the U.S. was so significant that this man earned the popular title of America's pastor. That's right, we're talking about Billy Graham. Now, certainly, Billy Graham was a prominent Christian leader here in the U.S. The reach of his preaching was unrivaled, and his influence even extended into the Oval Office. He became friends with and counseled several U.S. presidents. So to call Billy Graham America's pastor, from the perspective of that reach and influence, well, it certainly makes some sense. But also, maybe it doesn't. Back in 2019 or 2020, early on in my and Becca's time here at Ascension, I recall a conversation with our district mission counselor, Mark Burkholz. If you've never heard that name before, Pastor Burkholz serves as a resource and guide for new Wells missions and mission restarts, just like Ascension. He's planning on making a trip to visit Ascension this year, so you'll probably have the chance to meet him if you haven't. But to the point, I recall asking Mark what was, in his mind, distinctive about Wisconsin, Synod, Lutheran, or Wells congregations. How do we stand out? What's unique about us? And how can we differentiate ourselves? Mark responded with a few things, all of them good, but one particularly helpful for us today. Access to the pastor. Access to the pastor having opportunities to be pastored one-on-one, -on -one, having a pastor who walks in life with you, whether that's at the hospital emergency room or informal visits at home or through texts, something as seemingly simple as access to the pastor was, in Mark's mind, a unique differentiator of our church body. Which actually leads me to wonder whether the title America's Pastor is entirely appropriate for Billy Graham, or for anyone really. This isn't a criticism of Billy Graham, he did a lot of work for the kingdom. But on balance, if real pastoring includes that personal access like Mark described, how could anyone be a pastor of an entire nation? Or put another way, isn't there a difference between being a preacher and being a pastor? That's a nuance that comes out in our reading from Acts chapter 20. The Apostle Paul is returning to Jerusalem after one of his missionary trips through the Mediterranean region. On his way, he meets with the elders or spiritual leaders of the Christian community in Ephesus. 
This was a community that Paul had a deep relationship with. He'd brought the gospel to Ephesus years before, and he'd spent significant time teaching and pastoring the Christians of that city. Paul tells about that himself when he says to them, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be beneficial to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. And later in verse 31, Paul writes, remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Such was Paul's work among the Ephesians, not simply that of an itinerant preacher, here one moment and gone the next, but of a pastor who shared personally in the lives of these Christians. But that distinction between preacher and pastor becomes yet more clear in Paul's encouragement to these Ephesian elders. Verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. While Paul would be moving on to what God had in store for him next, these men from Ephesus would be staying. They would remain there in Ephesus as spiritual leaders, as overseers, as pastors. As such, they had a God-given responsibility for the Christians there. They were to care for the church of Ephesus, watch out for the church, provide spiritually for the church. They were, like Paul says, to be shepherds of the church. Of course, this included faithful preaching of the word of God, but it was also more than only public preaching. These pastors weren't just preachers. They were shepherds. And that image of shepherding really helps us understand then what pastoring is all about. The figure of the shepherd is prominent throughout scripture and has rich meaning behind it. You might think of Psalm 23, where we rejoice that the Lord himself is our shepherd. You might think of Jesus' proclamation that he is the good shepherd, the one who lays down his life for the sheep. Those are just two of the most well-known references in the Bible. But in all of them, wherever scripture talks about a faithful shepherding of God's people, there are some common themes that emerge, themes that have to do with providing and caring for the flock, themes of defending and protecting the flock, and inherent in all of this, themes that have to do with the value and dearness of the flock. And so it is here. As Paul meets this one last time with the Ephesian pastors, he's reminding them of why the Holy Spirit appointed them to shepherd. Paul reminds them of the value these Christians have in God's eyes. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. These people are priceless to God, Paul is saying. So much so that God in the flesh died to save them. And Paul reminds them of the need these Christians have, the dangers that face them, the wolves that would tear them to pieces. I know that after I leave, savage wolves, wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away after them. So be on your guard. Paul recognized how dear this flock these people were to God. Paul recognized the spiritual danger surrounding them. And Paul understood that God's answer, God's response to all this, was to give his flock shepherds, pastors in these men. God's care for his flock, his church, hasn't changed, friends. You, each one of you, are so inexpressibly dear to your Heavenly Father 
it's not possible in this life for you to grasp just how much God cherishes you personally, individually. But we see the evidence of it. We see that love demonstrated, don't we? As God himself bleeds and dies. That's what we walk toward in the season of Lent. That's what we see at the cross of Calvary. God purchasing you and me with his own blood. Is it any wonder then that God remains so concerned for his flock still today? As Paul spoke to these Ephesian pastors, his primary concern was for the welfare of the flock that would soon face false teachers, people who claimed to be Christian and claimed to be of God, but would lead them away from Christ. Does such danger exist today? Well, of course. False teachers, false Christians who proclaim a Christ that is not Christ, they're around. They're close by, across the hedge from us. Each weekend we see them gather like we do, but not like we do. They're close by, online and on TV, promising earthly wealth and success. If only you muster enough faith to take what God wants to give. Wolves, dressed up in sheep's clothing. They're still on the hunt for you and me. And as in Paul's day, that's only a part of the overall spiritual opposition we face in this life. As God's people, we wear a spiritual target on our backs. The Apostle Peter said it best, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. That's no cartoon with a pitchfork, but a serious spiritual threat. And then there's the spiritual opposition of the world that lives under Satan's control, a world we live in and so are constantly at risk of being consumed by again, and then there's the spiritual opposition in here, within each of us, the old self that we daily drown in baptism but refuses to stay dead. The point, friends, is that threats still exist for God's flock. This flock he purchased with his own blood. This flock who is dearer to him than our hearts can know. This flock that is gathered here today. And God's answer? Well, his answer is, of course, Jesus Christ, the shepherd of the sheep who holds us in his hand and none can snatch us out of it. That's God's answer with a capital A. But God also has a lowercase a answer, the same answer as Paul speaks of here. The shepherds who serve under Jesus, who shepherd for Jesus. God's answer is to give his flock shepherds, pastors, still today. And God the Holy Spirit has placed such a shepherd, a pastor, not just a preacher, among you too. Paul tells these Ephesian elders to keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. The basic point that these pastors are to watch over the spiritual welfare of the flock is clear, right? But I want to dig a little more into what that really means. Where our NIV has, of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers? In Paul's original, it's a bit more specifically in which or among which. It may seem like a small thing to note, but it underscores how a shepherd shepherds. Paul says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock in which, among which, the Holy Spirit has placed you. A shepherd, scripture reveals, shepherds not from a distance. A shepherd shepherds by being in and among and with the flock. A shepherd shepherds not only by preaching and teaching in a group setting on a Sunday morning, but by pastoring personally, individually, according to his flock's needs. 
In Palestine, during biblical times, shepherds could easily provide for their flocks near their homes when it was spring. There was plenty of greenery in the springtime that the sheep could probably find without much trouble on their own. But once the rainless summer months hit and food close to home was exhausted, well, then the shepherd's care became really critical. The shepherd would lead his flock out into the arid wilderness, looking for patches of pasture here and there, sometimes roaming in isolated areas for months at a time. This, of course, meant the flock was exposed to predatory animals and robbers, so the shepherd also had to be on guard against that danger. But throughout all this time, the shepherd was there, living with his flock among his flock, as he led it to the food and water it needed and protected it from the dangers that threatened. That's scripture's picture of a pastor's shepherding in, among, with his people. Christ shepherds his people, guarding them from spiritual dangers and leading them to the fresh waters of the gospel through the shepherds he gives his people. Christ shepherds his people with their individual needs and concerns, joys and challenges through the shepherds he places among them. Christ shepherds his people by giving pastors who don't only preach from a distance, but pastor personally, individually, as flock and shepherd together traverse the arid wilderness of this life in view of that perfect pastor to come. That's why here at Ascension we want to lean into this idea of providing personal pastoring. This is now the third component of our ministry plan. Our core focus is rooting people in Jesus Christ through Christian community, Christ-centered community. And we do that as we've talked about. One, as we're rooted in weekly worship. Two, as we mature together in life, which we talked about last week. And three, as we're personally pastored. What does that mean exactly as we move forward? Well, such personal pastoring could take a variety of forms, such as individual or family spiritual check-ins, one-on-one counseling, discipling, mentoring, and so on. Personal pastoring can mean being there in the hospital with you and spending time in prayer with you and for you. Whatever form it takes, the idea is the same as your shepherd, to be your shepherd. I need and want to know each of you so that I can effectively shepherd you with God's word. This is what one pastor has described as bringing the Bible to bear on the messy details of people's hearts, minds, and lives. And I like that. It's a catchy way to talk about how God's word shines light into every aspect of our lives. And it emphasizes that it happens not only from a distance on a Sunday morning, but personally in life itself. Friends, the Holy Spirit has placed me here as your pastor to bring Christ into all the areas of your hearts and minds and lives, no matter how messy. The Holy Spirit has set me among you to help guard you spiritually from what uniquely threatens you and to lead you personally to the life-giving water of Christ. This personal pastoring, too, is how you are rooted more deeply in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Ascension. If you'd like to talk with Pastor Ben or just learn more about our ministry, check out our website at ascensionharrisburg.com.